This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Heilprin on a Tuesday. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin. Our new schedule is here Tuesday and Thursday every week. This time slot six to seven. Thursdays from 5 to 6, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. The football season is here. No more uh, recruiting staff talk. No more bitching about quarterback recruiting. No more NIL talk. No more portal. No more realignment. No more discussing the 30 minutes every two weeks. The reporters get to watch the team. It's game week, Zach. Hello. Finally, game week. We got got a little bit of week zero last week. A little Nebraska little Northwestern. That was a gateway drug. It was, wasn't for you? Like, I I've, I was imagining you sitting on your couch the night before, just like your hand shaking. <laughs> like, you just, you just like couldn't sleep. I, I was I was shocked. I tweeted at like 12.06, we get college football today, and somehow I beat you with that tweet. Were you already in bed at that point? No, but I was in an area that didn't have great service, oh, okay. so I was oh. not often on Twitter, and I I couldn't sleep. I was trying to sleep, but yeah. I was I was so amped yes. up. That was like uh, that game last week was like a gateway drug. If the gateway drug is uh, better than w- what the next one is, <laughs> right? Because well, this weekend, I, like, what are we gonna get? We're gonna get a lot. <laughs> We're gonna get a lot. And and well, that's the thing. Wisconsin playing Illinois State is that? Would you rather watch that or Nebraska Northwestern? Nebraska Northwestern. Yeah, exactly. That's that. See there. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. So we're going to get into what happened uh, last weekend. If you didn't know, if you've been living under a rock, uh, Nebraska, excuse me, blew another uh, close game. They lost 31 to 28 to Northwestern. Northwestern looked competent. Uh, Nebraska looked incompetent. We'll give our thoughts on that. We'll make our Big Ten season predictions later in the show. Uh, We'll get into the two deep depth chart, which was released on Monday, as well as a big time injury. Backup quarterback Chase Wolf. Uh, seems to be out for the year. We react to all of that later, but now I want to start with this game coming up because it's Illinois State. They are an FCS opponent. Wisconsin, uh, 33 point favorites. The over under set at 38 and a half, <laughs> which is hilarious. They are predicting somewhat of a 36 to 2 game, uh, if you want to do that math. So, I like, I don't know. It Not much of are they going to win or are they going to lose because. Simply, if Wisconsin A, loses, or B, if this game is anywhere close, if this game isn't over by the beginning of the third quarter, we have bigger problems on our hands. So, how I am looking at this weekend, it's week one. We've heard a lot about the team throughout the offseason. We're finally seeing them on the field. What are we going to learn? I want to ask you first. Yeah, I was going to say, if they lose this game, do we have to, like, change? I mean, do we change the name of this show to, like, Brock Spack's... B words like is that I mean because like I don't know how you how you would recover from that I wouldn't okay I I mean I would I'll just ask a Nebraska fan yeah. however they're recovering from see but they didn't lose to an FCS team Wisconsin's had some close calls and openers before Northern Iowa back in 2012 they're not in the FCS are they Illinois State no Northern Iowa they were but even I'm pretty sure they still are FCS North uh, Illinois State is the number 36th ranked team in the FCS, according to Bill Connolly of ESPN. They uh, offense, not good, at least last year. Their defense is good in that conference. It's just, I don't even want to get into this whole, yeah, yeah. like, will they win? Will it be close? It, it will not be. I am comfortable saying it will not be a close game. The backups or third stringers should be in <laughs> by the start of the fourth quarter at 
the latest. I yeah. would think midway through the third. Right. So what am I expecting this weekend? Uh, well, I'm expecting Wisconsin to win. I'm expecting Wisconsin to win big. big. Uh, the Illinois State, Illinois State quarterback I learned yesterday is Zach Anikstad, the yes. former Minnesota starting quarterback uh, who I believe came in the same year as Tanner Morgan. <laughs> maybe maybe the year after Tanner Morgan started. I don't know. He was a true freshman in, in 2018. 18. And yep. started. The, the first, I believe, five or six or seven games that season. Either way, what am I expecting to see? I'm expecting to see Braylon Allen and that offensive line move guys uh, and, and a ton of yards for them off uh, running the ball, very similar to what they did against Eastern Michigan last year. I'm expecting Graham Mertz to, to make uh, some nice throws. I'm expecting them to have a lot of success in the pass game. I'm expecting the defense to uh, to shut them down. I'm expecting the defense to, to get after Anikstead, uh probably try and get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. I'm expecting what you expect against an FCS team when you were the Wisconsin Badgers, and uh, I'm expecting it to to mean absolutely nothing at the end of Saturday night except us getting a little bit of a, a preview of what potentially this team could be. I don't think we're going to have a lot of takeaways from Saturday night other than they did what they were supposed to do. And it gives us a little bit of an idea of what they could be this year. So I'm not going to call this first three-game stretch the preseason for Wisconsin because Washington State is a legitimate football program, obviously. And New Mexico State, while they are ranked second to last in the FBS, they are an FBS football program. I am kind of going into this week, though, as preseason week one, if you will, for Wisconsin. Some intel I have from reading one article on Illinois State uh, and there isn't much coverage of them, but the one article I could find, their offensive coordinator this year, Tony Peterson. Do you know where he was last year, Zach? I do. You want to know why? Because you read the same article? I did not. Oh. Uh, what I did read or what I did hear today was Jim Leonard talk. And Jim Leonard talked about him having experience because it's a new offensive coordinator having experience playing against him because he was at Illinois. But unlike what Illinois did last year, Tony Peterson is bringing the spread motion heavy, try to air it out offense, which they hope there will improve their offense. I against, they were a spread offense before. Were they? Yes. Well, it's, the it's, wording. It's, this is different. The wording of it was this new upbeat, up-tempo to try to find success kind of deal. I, when I look at this contest, I, I agree with you what I think will happen. I think they will be physically dominant uh, almost everywhere, if not everywhere. But what are we going to learn? Like when we go into next week, what can we actually take away from this game? Because to me, the big story is the quarterback. It will be throughout the entire season. I don't think we're going to learn much from Graham Mertz on Saturday. I, uh, I don't. I hate to draw the comparison to the 2020 Illinois game, and he was a lights out, one of the best quarterback games we've seen. But a lot of those receivers were running 10 to 15 yards open. Like a lot of those throws, while they were made and, and were impressive, a lot of those throws were more of the layup variety. You could see more of that. I, I think you will against Illinois State on Saturday. So, I, like throughout this season, I think Mertz fixes the horrible things. You know, the the handoffs that were fumbled, and I think he fixes a lot of the mistakes. Do I think he rises to this? You know, sky high ceiling? Not necessarily, but I I think we start to see that. On Saturday, the horrible mistakes not plaguing this offense. But overall, um, I I just don't think we'll be able to garner much aside from playing time. 
when it comes down to the X's and O's and who looks good and all that stuff. You can use the eye test and say, you know, Riley Mallman looks great at right tackle and some of the young guys, a wide receiver, look awesome. And you, you can't quantify that, obviously. But overall, I just I don't know how much we'll be able to garner. I will say the, the one thing that I that I will look at is if Graham Mertz does feel some pressure. Like if there's some guys in his face and he's able to deliver passes in that, which has been a, a bit of a struggle, which is, let's be fair, it's a struggle for a lot of quarterbacks in college. Um, but if he's able to sit back there, because we haven't seen it in fall camp because he can't get hit, the Redbirds have no uh, issue uh, if if they get close to him of hitting him and knocking him out. And if he's able to deliver passes in that, under that situation, um, I think that is a step in the right direction. Um, he showed it at times last year. I'm thinking mostly the Michigan game. Yeah. But for the most part, went under pressure a lot. Uh, the, there was a lot of inaccuracy. He was one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the country under pressure last year. So what do you think of the offense as a whole? Because, I mean, we talked all offseason with Bobby Ingram coming in, offensive coordinator, uh, everybody around the program and fans of it. You know, he's going to open up the offense. We're going to see a lot more creativity while still sticking to Wisconsin's identity. Do you think we see much of that on the field? I don't. Um, Bobby Ingram was asked about it today, and he's like, we just want to win. The, the, the idea is, like, in terms of opening up the offense and, and maybe showing kind of some of the change that they have, and he's like, We're, we just want to win. That's that's our whole idea. So, And I, I, I feel like we think that and we talk like, you know, this game's not going to be close. They can't approach it like that, right? They, 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 they can't approach it like that. They can't. Correct. Now, do the players think they're going to go out there and, and beat the crap out of them? Yes, obviously. But the coaches have to approach it the same way as they would uh, a week four game or a week six game. And so, yeah, they're not going to come out and say, we're only going to show this. Yeah, we're only going to show that. It's pre- I think, preseason week one for the coaches, too. Yeah, but I, I think that there's going to be um, they're going to rely on what, kind of what they who they are. And, and maybe we'll see a splash or a dash of uh, some of the new stuff that maybe Bobby, Bobby Ingram is bringing to the offense. And I, I said this earlier and um, so you probably have already heard this, but I hope that the closing of practices to the media, this, this uh, off seat, the, this fall camp, we only got to see four practices. My hope is that there's just these astronomical changes to this offense. And like, that's what kind of what they're, they're hiding behind and they just don't want that to be out there. That's so unlike Paul Chris to do though. So I, I feel like that's probably not going to be the case. I doubt we see just like five wide receivers, uh, airing it out type of thing that some people think is going to somehow uh, come to be under, under Bobby Ingram. But I do think we'll see some changes. I don't know if they'll be visible on Saturday night, but at some point this year, you're going to notice differences. When it does come to those changes, I kind of view it like a manager of like Craig council managing the bullpen. Like it's all dependent on whether the personnel is effective and really whether Graham Mertz is effective, right? Because if Craig council, everyone is going to criticize him for bringing in a certain pitcher. When, if all the pitchers are struggling, his hands are tied. There's nothing productive he can actually do. Like when it all goes wrong, it's going to go wrong. Uh, so personnel dependent. I think if, if Mertz does take big steps, I think we could see it, but I'm with you. And uh, for the reason that, you know, they're getting into the swing of all of it and all that, but also for reasons that coming up on the schedule in three weeks is Ohio State. Coming up next week is a Washington State team that, I mean, will be a contest. I saw look ahead lines of 17, I believe, about which I, I mean, that's not your 33 
uh, FCS or low-level FBS team against the Big Ten. Washington State, a Pac-12 legitimate football program. So I would even think they would go into this game saying, if we could be bland in a way and still get all of our guys meaningful reps, like once the game is kind of out of hand, you want to see what Mertz can do pushing the ball down the field I think you can do that in not extremely creative ways, right? You're not going to, like, if you go play Ohio State, you have a couple trick plays in there. You have different things you haven't shown yet to try to gain yards. I don't think we see any of those. So the fans might look at that and overreact and say, oh, you know, this offense is still boring. They're just going to run through people. I think some of that is coming up in the future are a lot of important games. And the more you put on film now, the more those teams can prepare for and know what's coming, which man makes it harder when you have to play them. I'll say this. I'll be shocked if they don't hit the over shocked if, 38 and a half. That's really? really low. I think Wisconsin hits at the by themselves. Yeah. Do you think the 38 and a half is Vegas doubting the Wisconsin offense yes. in a bit? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's certainly, I mean it, or it's giving the Wisconsin defense a lot of love. Which they deserve, but I think Wisconsin's offense hits around that. Like, it feels like an easy one. And maybe that, again, I think they could run the ball and do it. Like, if they didn't throw the ball once the entire night on Saturday, they should be able to score 38 points against an FCS team. Well, even if you put, uh, and we'll get to this, Chase Wolf out for the year likely, Deacon Hill, uh, or we don't know who the backup quarterback is. I would assume it's going to be Deacon Hill. I think there more than likely we see him playing in this contest when Hill or whatever backup comes in and naturally the third string or fourth string Isaac Arendo, Julius Davis running backs come in. I think even they could could put up points against its Illinois state team. Uh, when I wrote down other things, I think we'll learn from this contest on Saturday. Some of it is that eye, eye test stuff uh, I mentioned on really the young studs, mostly guys who we had last seen on the field against another team in the Vegas Bowl, talking about Daryl Peterson. Uh, Malman played in that game, correct? Did he? I forget. But uh, guys along those lines of of uh, possible... Like a, like a starter like Riley Malman? Yes. Uh, You're anxious to see and see the backup like Daryl Peterson? Well, I'm going to save it for the depth chart uh, okay. portion. Because Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that everybody realized that one guy was a starter and one guy was a backup. Which I, maybe that was just good projection on my end when I took him as a breakout guy. But we'll get to that when we talk depth <laughs> chart. Uh, what I think we'll learn specifically, though, is when the starters are out on the field in the first half or however long they are, I think at the positions where we still don't know, even when we see the two deep, I'm talking about outside linebacker, inside linebacker, tight end and cornerback. I think the rotational players we see there will show us a bit what the coaching staff thinks, whether it's, you know, the percentage of CJ Getz versus Peterson, whether it's who's next to Jordan Turner and how often are they or in the cornerback room, uh, how do they shuffle those guys? I think we will be able to come Tuesday and say, you know what? We learned that he has an inside track at, at playing 70% of snaps or whatever. Yeah. The problem there, at least at cornerback is they're dealing with injuries there. And so Jim Leonard said today that it, and he didn't specify outside of Alexander Smith being a, a game time decision, but I, th- I feel like Justin Clark's probably going to be a game time decision there. Um, guys that, that missed time in fall camp, they don't want to have a setback. And certainly Alexander Smith is one of those guys you can't have a setback with. You need him out there. Um, it's not like they don't have depth at corner, but I don't think we're going to be able to see. I, I don't think we're going to learn a ton about that depth and uh, like the rotation patterns there with those two guys out. Now, I think we're going to see a ton of Jay Shaw, Cedric Dort. We'll get to see what they look like in Wisconsin uniforms and uh, see some of the younger guys, Samar Melvin 
and, you know, Ricardo Hallman. But in terms of how many snaps guys are going to play, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to say. I think we could look more at uh, inside linebacker for, in for that sure. light, though. For and sure. no, because the starters, uh, and again, we'll get to this coming up next, but Jordan Turner, Mumajong, Meta are listed as starters on the two deep. Yep. But I think when the starters are out there, we'll probably see Jordan Turner more often than not. And then how does that break down with Muma, Jake Cheney, Tate Grass, and all those guys? Yep. And we heard from Jim Leonard today that it's going to be a situation where all those guys play a ton of reps. All four guys, and they probably even throw Brian Sanborn in there somewhere too. Like all those guys are going to play a ton, um, but those two guys, Muma, and I guess again we're get, getting into the depth chart, so I apologize. I know you structure this show very tight, and we're we're now kind of off onto a, a tangent. But uh, the uh, those two guys more consistently have shown to be at a higher uh, player at a higher level, and so that's why they are the starters. But both Jake Cheney and Tate Grass are going to play and play a lot. Yeah, more on that in a bit. Uh, I know how much you love two deep depth charts, Zach, and how much you love to take away from them. I was and I was so wrong though. Like I did, I did my two deep when you weren't here last week. I, I went through my two deep, and uh, I was wrong in a lot of places. So I, it was good to get that the other day, including inside linebacker. Are there any upstairs people that are questioning your objectivity when it comes to or your accuracy when it comes to projecting these things? No. No, nobody upstairs. No, there's no oversight. No, uh, real quick. A couple other things I want to see. Uh, you know how uh, you're a homeowner, right? And if I'm off on this analogy, you tell me. But okay. Ooh. so, you know, when you have maybe a little crack in the roof or some very small problem that might not be a problem in the moment, it is kind of it forecasts the problems that could come down the road. Okay. Whether it's erosion of something, I, I don't have specific examples because I don't own a home. Sure. Last year. A crack in the basement. Something along those lines, yes. Yeah. Uh, last year, obviously, Wisconsin starts with Penn State. They kind of get hit in the mouth. The red zone was just a disaster. You had the fumbles. You had the interception, the blocked field goal. And then they came the next week against Eastern Michigan, and their first two red zone trips were a turnover on downs and fumble. I, a fumble. And then Mertz threw, or Mertz Wolf threw a pick six later in the game. But I say that to say, I see that as, you know, the little cracks when you're a homeowner. Yeah. Right. So I want to see more than anything when they get into scoring situations and third downs, when all you need is execution, when you're physically better than the other team, just execute, hand the ball off, pick up the three to four yards and move the sticks. The small things that plagued this team last year, I want to see them done pretty much perfectly now so that we don't have to worry about them going forward. I'll say this, and, and you better own this and, and hold on to it. That is a fantastic analogy. Thank you. Yeah, that's a, oh, that's a very good job. Wow. That was awesome. Oh, I that thought was, that re- was very good. Well, I don't know how many ceiling and roof cracks. No, but had. like seriously, like that's no, it's, it's very good. Thank you. Like you, everything looks fine on the outside, but these little details, these little things could wreak, uh, wreak havoc at a later date. And they... They certainly did with Wisconsin. Like everything on the outside, the facade looks good, but those little those little cracks can me- mean all the difference uh, in a game. And sometimes they're not cracks, right? For the Packers, they were like gaping holes where oh. water was flooding into the basement, and they still just could not get well, it out. For Wisconsin, if were, you will. I mean, the, the no, same they thing weren't. for Wisconsin too. I mean, you think about the inability to create turnovers, dropping turnovers last year, yep. the inability to hold on to the ball themselves, simply hand the ball off. Like those, there were some concerns there. Like, so that's, yeah, uh, those, those were pretty significant too. All yes, right. the, the Packers special teams issues. 
that was that was a flood. The entire dam burst uh, the, the, for that. The house was underwater. All right. Uh, it's a Tuesday night. It's Kenny and Heilprin. It is game week, Wisconsin, Illinois State, Saturday night at Camp Randall. We are live moving forward Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. And Thursdays from 5 to 6, we're going to be live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. That starts this Thursday, so come by, say I, hello. I got. Uh, I, co- I checked it out last, uh, last Thursday, went over and found where we're going to be um, broadcasting from. Really, really cool spot. I mean, just a ton of ton of Badger memorabilia and uh, obviously some great specials because it's going to be happy hour, which is fantastic. Um, and then I went on Saturday night and actually got some drinks. Oof. Yes, please. And I believe. Ap- and some appetizers. Yes. Yes, sir. On Thursdays, when we're there, if you need further enticement to come, $4 spotted cows, $5 Long Islands, as well as much more uh, in the happy hour deals category. So that's coming up on Thursday. Again, uh, Kenny and Heilprint podcast. You can always find wherever you find them. Uh, subscribe. If you miss shows for whatever reason, now that we're two days a week, that is where you go to listen to what you miss. We have guests. The season is here, and and we are ramping up along with college football and along with the Wisconsin Badgers. When we return, Wisconsin put out a two-deep depth chart. We have dipped our toe in it. We're going to dive into it, as well as the injury to Chase Wolf and what it means. That all is next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right. It is Kenny and Heilprin. It is a Tuesday night. It is Wisconsin Badger game week. Illinois State on Saturday. 33 point spread. Wisconsin is favored 38 and a half point over under. Uh, We'll get into our Big Ten predictions. The picks for the weekend will come on Thursday when we're live at Monks. Uh, I guess we can quickly update them on what happened last weekend. I went two and two. Obviously, Nebraska did not win or cover, though I did say they're either going to cover or lose, which is a perfect hedge. When I, mean, it was, I mean, it was a ridiculous hedge, uh, <laughs> is, is what it was. Um, you, you sent me some other stuff, like, to say that night, and I was just like, I, I don't know. Like, anyways, I went way, like, the, the this last segment just didn't have time, but you said something about... Uh, I said old Nebraska loses this oh, yeah. game, oh, yeah. and it also, appears that old Nebraska is still alive. Also, one other statement leading into the weekend, quote, old Nebraska, trademarked, loses this game. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I'll explain it uh, another time. Okay. Uh, All right. But yes, I went three and one. You went two and two. You you tried to you tried tried to take one of my wins away from me in, in a push on the Nevada and uh, New, Mexico New Mexico State. State. Yep. Was not going to have that. But I yes. Was, yeah, it's, it's I was a wrong. Solid start. Solid I was start. wrong about the math. Good start to you. Solid, um, solid start for both of us. Big Ten season in full swing. Purdue and Penn State on Thursday. I like that. Might be my favorite game of the weekend. Uh, that's. That's Purdue season. Yes. If they win that game, you and Matt, you're going to have some apologies to make to Matt McGloin because I don't, Maybe. I don't like, I think if they win that game, they've got a very, very good shot of winning the West. Yeah. When I look at the whole slate, like Ohio state, Notre Dame, it's a good name brand, you know, top of the ranking, but 17 point spread doesn't do it for me. Uh, like some of the other games I like, but no game entices me like that game does. No. And because and, how many, how many teams have gone into Purdue and, yeah, it, Ohio State did it quite a few times. Charlie Jones uh, revenge tour oh, coming. Get Please get me. <laughs> um, all right, so Wisconsin has a new two deep depth chart. It's game week. Came out uh, on Monday. 
things to note within it, Riley Mallman is your starting right tackle ahead of Logan Brown. Trey Wedig is your backup center behind Joe Tipman. And Dylan Barrett is your backup uh, right guard behind Michael Fertney, as well as Caden McDonald in there, backup defensive end. Uh, Turner and Muma Jongmeta, you're starting inside linebackers. We mentioned that. CJ gets starting at outside linebacker ahead of Daryl Peterson at this point. Shaw and Smith, the starting cornerbacks, uh, with Dort, the starting nickelback. But as you said last segment, injuries will play a role there this weekend and also moving forward. And then Jack Van Dyke, your starting kicker. No, uh, no, no. no. Kick the off. other way around. Kickoff guy. Kickoff guy, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, and then Vito Calvaruso starting kicker. Yes. Isaac Arendo, your starting kick returner, yep. which is really interesting. I think I like that more than anything. So, so <laughs> someone asked uh, Bobby Ingram today, what do you like about him as a, uh, as a kick returner? He's only had one kick returner in his career and it was a, it was reverse against Minnesota, but uh, he's like, he's strong, he's fast, he's athletic. And they're like, yeah, but what is it about his game? What is it about his game that, uh, it would work as a kick return. He's strong. He's fast. He's athletic. <laughs> he is. I, not only is he fast. He like he is the definition of stupid fast. He's stupid fast, stupid big, and stupid athletic. He is Jonathan Taylor type athleticism. Uh, this is not me saying. This is John Settle saying. This a few years ago, former uh, former running backs coach came out and said, "This is. I mean, Isaac's got it. If Isaac can stay healthy, I'm not sure putting him on kickoff returns the greatest." place to put him to stay healthy but yeah. um he's got some he's got breakaway speed he's got some breakaway ability and he could i think anytime he touches the ball whether it's as at running back kick return he's he's a threat to take it so when i look at this depth chart what can be taken away because you were talking about the cornerback position i'm not going to look at this given the injuries and just given the fact yep. that all the talk was justin clark would likely be the third uh guy up there at nickel I'm not going to look at those three starters in Jay Shaw, Alex Smith, and Cedric Dorton and say, oh, wow, Justin Clark might be behind. But how much can actually be taken away from this? Well, I think there's there's two big takeaways. One, Riley Malman is a starter, which takes him out of consideration for our breakout players of the game. So debatable. Players, players, of, the, players of the year. That takes him out. I'm going to go find the audio again. Whereas uh, Daryl Peterson, who was one of my picks, <laughs> is a backup right now to CJ Getz. So all those people that said, I can't, you can't pick Daryl Peterson. He's going to be a starter. Well, guess what? He's not a starter. He's a backup. Boom. Eat it. Um, no. What the biggest takeaways from this, <laughs> the biggest takeaways from this are, yes, uh, Ryan Mallman beating out Logan Brown to be your right tackle, which I kind of felt was going to happen midway through. I, honestly, I'll say this. As soon as I saw that he was on the right side to open camp, I'm like, he's going to be your right tackle. We saw in spring. He's just, he had a really good spring at left tackle. He deserves to be on the field, right? Um, and then the other big takeaway is uh, at inside linebacker, Jordan Turner and Muma John Meta standing out above the other two. And again, that, that may not end up being who starts the entire year. I think all those guys are going to play, but Jordan Turner is going to be a star, man. Like anybody you talk to down there, everybody just gets a smile on their face when they talk about Jordan Turner. He's got so much intensity. He's a, he's just a dude and he, and he's going to knock people's heads off and, like, he's fast. He's got everything you want as an inside linebacker. There probably will be some some growing pains. But uh, those were the like the some of the big takeaways that, uh, that I would grab from that. Yeah, I didn't have any necessarily overarching ones aside from what you mentioned with uh, Malman. I, I mean, one that I've said for a while and will continue to say is that stars do matter. Uh, and they matter more and more as the evaluation process gets better. 
like when we mentioned the outside linebacker group and we mentioned the offensive line, I like you could look down at the second group and say, oh, they could plug in and be starters and hold their own. And that is because in those rooms is more star talent. Uh, this program has recruited those rooms better than they have really anything in the last, you know, 20 whatever years. So I, it's something I've worked, I've said for a while, but I, we're going to see it throughout this year. When, I love their depth. Yeah. I love their depth in a, in a bunch of different spots. Like name a spot that you're truly, truly concerned if concerned if somebody goes down outside a quarterback at this point, safety, but he, only because Kamoi Latu's played well, right? I'm confident about him. I guess it would be if, if so both go for down. multiple guys to go yeah. down. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> and, and even then, you know, Preston Zachman's obviously the guy there, but I think Titus Toller could be in the mix. And Austin Brown, we got to talk to Jim Leonard today. He said he really reminds him of uh, Hunter Waller from last year, where it was special teams early and then some uh, defense later on. He thinks he's got, you know, different kind of level talent. I'll be honest, kind of anxious to see Austin Brown and Hunter Waller together next year. Uh, just just skip 2022, and we'll just get to the 2023 defense that could be um, remarkably good. But either way, uh, there, there are some bodies there. There are some bodies there. Let's talk about Chase Wolf. You mentioned the quarterback position. Uh, reports have been confirmed that he, uh, he got <laughs> surgery yesterday. He is out indefinitely. That brings in Deacon Hill or Miles Burkett as the backup there. It was said today that they don't know who their backup's going to be, which if that's some competitive advantage, cool. I don't think it is. Really? I don't. You think they don't know? I think it's like, what's the point? Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at MadCitySportsZone.com.